When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. I'm excited to watch the Bridgerton spin-off, Queen Charlotte. As with most historic dramas, I'm anticipating it will be entertaining, but not especially historically accurate. So it seems like the perfect time to catch you up on the real story of Queen Charlotte of Mecklenburg-Strelitz and her 15 children. In this week's episode, we'll get to know Queen Charlotte herself, her many surprising contributions to culture, and her loving, if unequal, relationship with King George III of the UK. Next week, we'll have an extended episode exploring the lives of all 15 of her fascinating and scandalous children. Queens of the World Charlotte of Mecklenburg-Strelitz, Queen of Great Britain and Ireland Queen Charlotte went from minor German country gentry to Queen Consort of Great Britain and Ireland. She and George III had a happy marriage and an astonishing 15 children. Charlotte stayed out of politics as her husband lost the American Revolution, and she lost her dear friend Marie Antoinette in the French Revolution. Charlotte made numerous cultural contributions, including introducing the Christmas tree to Britain and throwing the first debutante ball. In her later years, she had to watch as her beloved husband slipped into mental illness, and her children struggled to produce a new generation of royals. Sophia Charlotte was born on the 19th of May, 1744. She was the eighth of ten children, born to Duke Charles Louis Frederick of Mecklenburg, Prince of Merot, and Princess Elizabeth Albertine of Sachse-Helborghausen. Charles was the second son of the reigning Duke of Mecklenburg, a small North German duchy which was at the time part of the Holy Roman Empire. His older brother inherited the duchy when they were children. Charles Louis occupied the lower castle in Merot and raised his children in a simple country aristocratic fashion. Charlotte received a very mediocre education, including rudimentary instruction in botany, natural history, language, and religion. Her upbringing was primarily focused on household management. She was expected to become the wife of a minor German prince. Her father died when she was eight. Six months later, her uncle died childless, and her 14-year-old brother, Adolphus Frederick, became the new Duke of Mecklenburg-Strelitz. 
the family moved to the town of Neustrelitz, and their lives changed dramatically. Charlotte was exposed to court life, including art and music. She was tutored in French by a poet. As her brother was still underage, their mother acted as regent. She allied with King George II of Great Britain. Mecklenburg bordered George's hereditary Duchy of Hanover, and the two German families had numerous ties. Elizabeth was second cousin to the British king's daughter-in-law, Augusta of Saxe-Gotha, mother of soon-to-be King George III. George II's son, Prince Frederick, had predeceased him, so his new heir was his grandson, George. At 21, he fell in love with Lady Sarah Lennox, sister of the Duke of Richmond. But George's advisors warned him against wedding an English aristocrat. Not since Henry VIII had a monarch taken a British bride, and it was feared that such favoritism would be disastrous to domestic politics. George wrote of breaking things off with Sarah, I am born for the happiness or misery of a great nation, and consequently must often act contrary to my passions. In 1760, George II died, and his grandson became King George III at 22. The hunt for a royal bride intensified. His mother pushed him toward selecting a member of her own family. She was one of her son's closest advisors, but he wanted a wife who would not get involved in politics. His third cousin, Princess Charlotte, supposedly first caught his attention when an eloquent letter she had written to Frederick the Great, King of Prussia, complaining about the conduct of his army, gained notoriety and was widely published. However, the original letter has never been found, and it is now believed to have been a PR stunt pulled off by the British palace in order to endear the princess to her prospective people. 17-year-old Charlotte actually appealed to George, not only because of her looks, but also because she had been brought up in an insignificant German duchy, and therefore had little experience with politics and intrigues. The king announced his intention to wed Charlotte, and sent counselors to retrieve her. In Mecklenburg, the British lords were received by Charlotte's brother. The men negotiated and signed the marriage contract. Three days of public celebration were enjoyed before Charlotte departed her home, never to return. Her mother had died just one month earlier. The journey was incredibly difficult and took two months. The ship encountered three storms at sea, and Charlotte was so seasick and bloated that when she arrived, she couldn't fit in her diamond-encrusted wedding gown. The bridal party finally landed at the coast and made haste to London. They arrived at St. James's Palace the next day, and Charlotte met her groom and his family for the first time at the Garden Gate at 3.30 p.m. After a short respite to bathe and change, the couple were married in a small ceremony in the Royal Chapel at 9 p.m. the same night. Just two weeks later, the new king and queen were crowned together in Westminster Abbey. The young couple were immensely popular. While on their way to the opera, the crowd was so enthusiastic to get a peek in their carriage that four people were crushed to death. Charlotte did not speak English, but her groom spoke German, so they were able to converse. The king warned his bride not to meddle in politics. 
after watching her mother struggle to maintain control of Mecklenburg, Charlotte doesn't seem to have had any interest in statecraft. The newlyweds got on extremely well and grew to love each other, while George's grandfather and sons were notorious for their slews of mistresses. He remained faithful to his wife throughout their marriage. George was relatively down-to-earth and was nicknamed Farmer George. He was not fond of pomp and court intrigue and preferred a simple life of domestic comforts, frugality, plain food, and sobriety. As Charlotte had grown up in a similar fashion, this was fine with her. Her cheerful, outgoing personality matched nicely with his shy contemplation. She picked up English quickly but spoke with a thick accent. One courtier noticed she is timid at first but talks a lot when she's among people she knows. She adored a good gossip. 11 months after their wedding and 3 months after her 18th birthday, Charlotte gave birth to her first child, George, Prince of Wales, the future George IV. She went on to have a total of 15 children, 9 sons and 6 daughters. After George came Frederick, William, who would go on to succeed his brother as King William IV, Charlotte, who married the King of Württemberg, Edward, the father of Queen Victoria, Augusta, Elizabeth, who became Landgravine of Hesse-Homburg, Ernst Augustus, who became King of Hanover, Augustus Frederick, Adolphus, Mary, Sophia, Octavius, Alfred, and Amelia. Charlotte gave birth to her final child at the age of 39. Prince George and Princess Amelia had a 21-year age gap. The queen maligned her state of constant pregnancy. While expecting her 14th child, she wrote, I don't think a prisoner could wish more ardently for his liberty than I wish to be rid of my burden and see the end of my campaign. I would be happy if I knew it was the last time. She did, however, love her children dearly. Her two youngest sons, Alfred II and Octavius IV, died of smallpox. The rest of her children survived to adulthood. Amelia died of tuberculosis at 27. The king and queen were far more involved with their children than most royals. George enjoyed tumbling around on the floor and playing games with his brood in the garden. Charlotte was more formal and strict, but caring towards her children. She made education a priority. Her sons were instructed by tutors, as was expected of princes. But unusually, Charlotte hired well-educated governesses to teach her daughters as well. Charlotte had a strained relationship with her mother-in-law. Augusta paid Charlotte's staff to spy on her. She insisted on rigid court etiquette, which prevented Charlotte from making friends with British ladies. The queen thus had to rely on the companionship of the lady she brought with her from Germany. Augusta then criticized Charlotte for not integrating into her new home. Four years into their marriage, George suffered his first bout of mental illness. But Augusta kept Charlotte away and in the dark about her husband's condition. Parliament passed a bill that if the king were incapacitated, Charlotte would act as regent. Augusta opposed the bill as she wanted to be named regent instead. 
As George's love for his wife and their brood of children grew, Queen Charlotte gained more prominence at court and eclipsed her mother-in-law. Princess Augusta died at 52, 11 years into her son's marriage. When they wed, the official royal residence was St. James's Palace, built by Henry VIII in the heart of London. George kept the court there, while he and Charlotte retreated to the suburban palaces of Kew and Windsor Castle. There they lived a bourgeoisie life. The royal pair often strolled in the gardens together, without an entourage. Charlotte took interest in developing the gardens at Kew, which had been started by George's father, Frederick. The queen had a passion for botany and added hundreds of new plant species brought from around the world by British explorers. The South African bird of paradise was named Strelitzia regine in her honor. She also collected a menagerie of exotic animals. She received South African zebras as a wedding present and also kept an elephant, kangaroos, and parrots. She brought two Pomeranian dogs, Phoebe and Mercury, with her from Germany. The queen gifted the pair's pups to favored courtiers and popularized the breed in Britain. Her granddaughter, Queen Victoria, kept Pomeranians as well. George purchased Buckingham House for his wife as an even more remote family retreat. Charlotte adored the property, which came to be known as the Queen's House. Most of her children were born there. She expanded and redecorated the interiors there and at the Queen's Lodge, Windsor, with Indian paper and bright colors. Her style was described as dazzling, cheerful, and tasteful. Unfortunately, none of Charlotte's interiors survive today. Her son, George IV, ordered extensive changes to Buckingham House, transforming it into Buckingham Palace. It became the official royal residence under Queen Victoria, as it remains today. The royal couple enjoyed the new concept of taking holidays to the seaside, thus popularizing the beach vacation. In 1768, Charlotte, North Carolina was named in honor of the British Queen. The county in which it sits is called Mecklenburg. It is nicknamed the Queen City and boasts several statues of Queen Charlotte. And now, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MKUltra? Wait, what? 
<laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. Her Majesty was renowned for treating her servants with great kindness. She was sympathetic to the poor and decided to make philanthropy the new public face of the royal family, as it remains today. She founded an orphanage and a maternity hospital. She threw charity balls to help fund her projects. On May 19, 1780, George threw a ball in honor of his wife's 38th birthday. The event was a fundraiser for Chelsea Hospital. The royals invited all unmarried noble ladies to be presented before Her Majesty in her drawing room at St. James's Palace. This was the first royal presentation of debutantes. Girls wore the finest court dress their families could afford. In the late 1700s, that meant wide mantua hoop skirts under gowns of colorful embroidered silk. The hair was decorated with three white ostrich feathers. In 1804, the empire silhouette of a high waist and a slim column of skirt came into fashion. But Queen Charlotte, who loved tradition, insisted on the hoop skirts of her youth. This led to some rather odd fashion mashups. Queen Charlotte's Ball was the launch of the London social season, a rite of passage for the daughters of the aristocracy and the starting gun for their hunts for husbands. The queen was an amateur matchmaker and suggested advantageous couplings for debutantes who especially impressed her, though she did not name a lucky young lady the diamond of the season. Charlotte pored over society papers of the day and filled her letters to her husband and friends with all the latest gossip of London's upper class, known as the Tom. Queen Charlotte's ball continued until 1958, when Queen Elizabeth II announced she would no longer hold the ceremony. Debutante balls spread in the United States and were the basis for the more democratic alternative, the high school prom. In the early 2000s, Queen Charlotte's Ball was revived in London. The program now includes classes on business skills, networking, etiquette, and philanthropy. And debutantes still curtsy to a giant birthday cake, representing the long-dead Queen Charlotte. Another of Charlotte's shindigs, which had a big impact on British culture, was a Christmas ball she arranged in 1800. She invited all the children of Windsor to the Queen's Lodge, and they were gobsmacked to see a whole decorated yew tree in the middle of the drawing room. This was the first English Christmas tree. The Tannenbaum is an ancient German pagan tradition, which was Christianized by Martin Luther in the 1500s. Charlotte introduced this beloved childhood memory to her own offspring years earlier. Every Christmas, she decorated a single yew branch with the assistance of her ladies-in-waiting, and then the court gathered to sing carols and share gifts. But in 1800, she pulled out all the stops. A party guest described the scene. From the branches hung sweetmeats, almonds and raisins in paper, fruit and toys most tastefully arranged, illuminated by small wax candles. After the company had walked around and admired the tree, each child obtained a portion of the sweets and toys, and then all returned home quite delighted. 
decorating a tree for Christmas spread around Britain and its colonies. The queen enjoyed playing cards, horseback riding, and entertaining the court with singing and harpsichord. She and George were both music connoisseurs with German tastes. They favored George Friedrich Handel. Charlotte hired Johann Christian Bach, the son of Johann Sebastian Bach, to be her personal music teacher. She hosted an eight-year-old Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart to perform at the palace. The prodigy played complicated arrangements on sight and accompanied the queen's singing of an aria. He later dedicated his Opus 3 to her. As her daughters grew into adulthood, Charlotte was reluctant to allow them to marry. She wanted to spare them the agony of constant pregnancy and keep them by her side. But they grew restless in the confines of Kew Palace, which they called the nunnery, and longed to start lives of their own. Several of them had affairs with palace servants, but only three of her six daughters ever married, and only one had a child who was stillborn. Charlotte's sons were treated quite differently and allowed perhaps too much freedom. The eldest, George, Prince of Wales, was given his own palace, Carlton House, at the age of 18. He threw himself into heavy drinking and cavorting with mistresses. His annual allowance, 50,000 pounds, about 6 million today, was not nearly enough to keep up with his extravagant lifestyle. The prince frequently had vicious arguments with his parents. He secretly married a Catholic commoner, Maria Fitzherbert. The union was illegal without the king's permission and could have barred him from inheriting the throne. The prince was deeply in debt and his father refused to bail him out unless he left Maria and married a proper royal bride, his first cousin, Caroline of Brunswick. The couple met the day before their wedding, and unlike his parents, they hated each other on sight. He called for a brandy, and she stage-whispered that he was very fat and nothing like as handsome as his portrait. George was drunk at the wedding, but they managed to do their duty and conceive a child, Charlotte, named for her grandmother, who was born nine months later. The newlyweds separated immediately, and Queen Charlotte was put in charge of her granddaughter's upbringing. The queen did dabble very carefully in politics. Her primary interest was German affairs, specifically helping her brother. She may have used her subtle influence to convince her husband to intervene in the War of Bavarian Succession, but she asked her brother to burn letters regarding politics so her husband would not be offended. For the most part, Charlotte was uninvolved in the many tumultuous political events of George III's reign. He wanted to be an actual ruler rather than a figurehead, so he campaigned and poured money into political candidates who would support him. He got his way, broke up the political parties, and had a docile prime minister who would do his will. But he didn't bet on being blamed when things went wrong. George took an interest in agriculture and thought it would be grand for more land to be owned and farmed by aristocrats. So he championed the Enclosures Act of 1773, which allowed the wealthy to grab up and fence off most of the country, stealing common land which had been shared and farmed by communities for centuries. 
This had a drastic effect of concentrating wealth in the hands of the few and impoverishing and starving the rest of the population. Another fine idea was the Stamp Act, a tax imposed on the American colonies. Colonists were outraged. They had their own local governments and taxes and refused to pay tax to a government in which they had no representation. They declared independence from Britain in 1776. George sent his army to squash the rebellion, but after five years of guerrilla warfare, the ragtag colonists defeated the mighty Redcoat Army. In need of a new penal colony, Britain turned its sights on the recently explored continent of Australia. In 1788, King George had another, more serious bout of mental illness. He talked incessantly, foamed at the mouth, and rampaged through the palace. It remains unclear if he suffered from porphyria, a hereditary blood disease, or something else like bipolar disorder. Charlotte was frightened by her spouse's outbursts and asked to be moved to a separate bedroom. She and their daughters went to see him daily, but the visits were stressful. The king would often hug them and refuse to let go. He also had imaginary conversations with their dead sons, Octavius and Alfred. Conflict arose between Charlotte and her 26-year-old son, George Prince of Wales. She suspected him of trying to have doctors declare the king insane so that he could claim the regency. He suspected her of trying to have her own doctors declare the king sane so that he could name her regent. In the end, Parliament named Prince George regent, but Charlotte the king's guardian. Charlotte was a pen pal with Queen Marie Antoinette for many years. The British Queen was 11 years older than the French. Though the consorts never met in person, they bonded over their shared love of music and art. In 1789, the French Revolution broke out, and Marie Antoinette, her husband Louis XVI, and their children were imprisoned. Charlotte tried to instigate a plot to rescue her friend and even prepared palace apartments for the French royals. She was devastated to learn that Louis and Marie Antoinette had been guillotined. In 1798, Ireland rebelled but was defeated. Parliament signed the 1800 Act of Union, making Ireland an official part of the country, renamed the United Kingdom. George III sunk completely into madness, never to recover. Watching her beloved spouse suffer was incredibly difficult for Charlotte. She avoided seeing him. Her own personality altered. She developed depression and a temper. She no longer enjoyed appearing in public, not even at concerts which she had once loved. She became addicted to snuff, powdered tobacco which was snorted through the nose, to relieve her headaches, and her relationships with her adult children became strained. Charlotte found some solace in designing the interiors and gardens of a new residence, Frogmore House. The Prince of Wales took over as Prince Regent from 1811 to 1820, a period known as the Regency. Because he was estranged from his wife, Caroline, his mother acted as the First Lady of Court and hosted by his side. 
The prince was thrilled to finally have something to do, but spent most of his time bickering with Parliament. He was hated by the public for his lavish lifestyle, while the rest of the nation lived under austerity during the Napoleonic Wars. The country's hopes for the future were embodied in his only legitimate child, Charlotte. The beautiful and moderate princess and her handsome husband, Prince Leopold, were the Will and Kate of their day. But all hope was dashed when she died in childbirth at the age of 21. The entire country mourned the tragedy, and Queen Charlotte mourned the loss of her beloved granddaughter. The princess's death was a disaster for the Hanoverian dynasty. Despite having 12 adult children, George and Charlotte did not have a single legitimate grandchild. Several of their sons had children with mistresses, but they were not eligible to inherit the throne, so there was no one to become monarch in the next generation. In order to avoid a succession crisis, Parliament offered the princes cash if they would leave their mistresses, marry foreign princesses, and produce a new generation of royals. One pamphlet of the time joked, Hot and hard each royal pair are at it hunting for the heir. The winner of this reproductive race was fourth son, Edward Duke of Kent, who fathered the future Queen Victoria. But Queen Charlotte never got to meet this granddaughter. She died on November 7, 1818, at the age of 74, six months before Victoria's birth. Her son, Prince George, was holding her hand when she passed. She had been queen consort for 57 years, the second longest tenure in British history after Prince Philip. King George III was so far gone that he was not told of his wife's death. He died a little over a year later at the age of 81 and was laid next to his darling wife in the royal vault under St. George's Chapel, Windsor. In recent years, headlines have claimed that Queen Charlotte was Britain's first black or biracial queen. This idea stems from portraits of Charlotte painted by Alan Ramsay, which give her somewhat African facial features, and because her ancestry has been traced to 13th century Portuguese King Alfonso III and his mistress Madrigana, who may have been a black moor. While this is a fascinating story, portraits of the same sitter often look wildly different and are not reliable evidence of someone's true appearance. Madrigana and Charlotte were separated by 500 years and 15 generations, so Charlotte's Moorish heritage would have been less than 1%. Want even more tea on history? Check out the History Tea Time podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, comment your thoughts, and check out my other royal history videos. If you really want to help, please consider supporting me on Patreon. A link is in the description. Thank you for watching. You can now follow History Tea Time on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. 
I'll be putting out new podcast episodes each Thursday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos, and adding even more fascinating information for your listening pleasure. Want some visuals with your history? Then check out my YouTube channel, also called History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, where you can find hundreds of videos about queens of the world, royal history, women's medical history, and more. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like Queen's Podcast, Ancient History Fangirl, Redacted History, and more. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.